Turn. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Would you believe that the United States of America was once known as Columbia? That's right, once known as Columbia. And did you know that the song Columbia, the Gem of the Oceans, was once considered before there was ever a national anthem, the closest thing to a national anthem the United States ever had. That's right, here on Columbus Day. A national holiday in many countries of the Americas and elsewhere, and a federal holiday in the United States which is embattled by the American left. But why? Why is Columbus Day embattled by the American left? Why is it that Columbus himself has been toppled, his statue has been toppled or decapitated in many places throughout the land? We want to talk about that here on Viewpoint today. And I'm glad that you've joined us. This conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk the transform. Did you know that 54 U.S. communities carry Columbus's legacy in their names That's right, 54 communities across the country. That tells you how important Mr. Columbus was. Just like George Washington, Columbus commanded much of the attention of Americans. Roughly 2.7 million Americans live in 54 counties, districts, cities, incorporated towns, boroughs, villages, and census-designated places named after Columbus. His biggest legacies in terms of population are Columbus, Ohio, and believe it or not, the District of Columbia, our nation's capital. Hmm. Are we going to change that, too? Where does it all end? Where does it all end? The destruction of memorials, the destruction of memory, claiming that the individual's memorialized were not perfect and by today's standards well should be disregarded and cast upon the trash heap of history one two three pull the demonstrators shouted with one quick tug a 14 foot Carrera marble statue of Christopher Columbus fell down shattering into pieces And the crowd of more than 100 gathered in Baltimore's Little Italy neighborhood and erupted in celebration. A 100 people decided to destroy a 1,000 people's memory, a million people's memory, a 100 million people's memory. Although Mr. Columbus never set foot in the continental United States, Columbus is the third most memorialized person in the country. Behind, guess who? Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. Interesting, isn't it? But it wasn't until nearly 300 years after the death, his death, that Columbus became an American symbol. As revolutionaries plotted their independence, they needed a historical figurehead, a hero who could embody American idealism and unite the young country. 
So guess what? They chose Columbus, who had suffered under a monarchy, and most importantly, he wasn't British. So politicians lauded Columbus for his discovery, supposed discovery of America, the first one to land in the Americas, by the way, and that's what it means, and Columbia became an informal way to refer to the new country. Notice, Columbia became an informal way to refer to America. Soon, Columbus's likeness and namesake multiplied across the American frontier. For decades, his legacy remained mostly uncontested until all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it seems, the American left exploded in the Vietnam War in the 1960s with a rebellion against all authority and began to remove and rebel against American history and everything that had been held as valuable. Why? Why is it that that emphasis of the 1960s began to be picked up in the 1990s and now carries over with ever-increasing crescendo, as if that isn't a redundancy, ever-increasing crescendo here right now in this hour of American history and world history as everything that seems to have had value in the past is toppled in irreverence. Columbus's role in American history shifted in the late 19th century as more than 18 million immigrants came from southern and eastern Europe, nearly a quarter of them from Italy. And anti-immigrant sentiment was widespread. And Italians were met with violence and racism. Now, isn't it interesting that the very people and groups that seem to cry the loudest in favor of immigrants are coming against Columbus, whose role in the greater American history was attacked by people in the late 1800s because of immigrants. This this is amazing, how history turns on its head. And these people who are attacking don't even have a clue as to how ridiculous their reversal of history is becoming. But that's the nature of rebellion. That's the nature of rebellion against history, authority, and the only thing, as we're told, that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. So, therefore, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, and that's exactly what's happening. But in 1937, the Knights of Columbus successfully lobbied President Franklin Roosevelt to proclaim Columbus Day, a national holiday. By then, the Italians were the largest immigrant group in the country. So, there was a pamphlet distributed at the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893. The question was, how shall America best present its greatness to the civilized world. And they did it through the world's Columbian Exposition. The fair, which boasted more than 27 million visitors, 
marked the 400th anniversary of Columbus's journey and cemented him as a symbol of American identity. Interesting how things have changed. The irreverence of modern society that expects every single person to have been perfect in their generation, while those who are demeaning those who were not perfect are the worst offenders of all. Seeking to kill off our young and celebrate it. The governor of New York pouring millions of public money, tax dollars, into the promotion of unfettered abortion. And we're coming against those people are coming against Columbus. You've got to be kidding. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's morals slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. can remember, I think, the day when Americans still seemed to like Christopher Columbus. Yet, in the past few decades, something has changed. Certain states and localities have moved away from celebrating Christopher Columbus and now celebrate what they call Indigenous People's Day. Indigenous People's Day. As if the so-called Indigenous Peoples were sacred and perfect and worthy to be honored and displayed as the maximum expression of righteousness and holiness in the world of humanity. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be even further from the truth. Would you like to know why? Well, let me give you a clue. Let me just give you a clue. This report came out today. 76 child sacrifice victims with their hearts ripped out found in Peru. These friends were indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples in Peru, like the indigenous peoples of the Aztecs and the Incas, who also engaged in sacrifice of their young and even others who were not young, things that we would consider horrendous today, but they're held up as worthy by those who despise Christopher Columbus. Here's the report. The skeletons that have been discovered by archaeologists evidence that children's hearts were removed. All 76 skeletons that they found had a transversal clean cut across the sternum, which suggests they had they were opened up by the rib cage and then had their hearts extracted. Lovely, isn't it? These were indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. 
The same kind of thing took place with the Aztecs and the Incas. The people that are raised up as worthy peoples today, the indigenous peoples that Columbus supposedly demeaned and destroyed. The report goes on to say these children were buried on an extended position with the feet toward the east. They were buried on top of an artificial mound and at least 227 slaughtered children were found at the world's largest child sacrifice site in Peru. Excavations have been underway for several years and so far 323 child sacrifice victims have been found at the site and another 137 child and three adult sacrifice victims were found at a nearby site called Las Lamas. These also show that the children's hearts had been removed. Based on the archaeological finds so far, they conclude there are likely more child sacrifices waiting to be discovered. It could be more than a thousand victims as crazy as it sounds. These, my friends, are indigenous peoples back around 1100, 1200 A.D. as supposedly measured by radiological measurements. Why were they sacrificed? You can only guess. You can only surmise But why are Americans sacrificing their young 65 million American children sacrificed by the very group of people that are anti-Columbus, saying he was the worst thing that could ever have happened to humanity because he was engaged in uh, some not nice things toward indigenous peoples. Well, by comparison, what these same people who scream and holler with pink vaginas on their head through our nation's capital named after Columbus, what they have done puts what Columbus did, whatever it was, as if it were something petty-ante and not worthy of consideration. Because the, because the murder of, 70, of 65 million American children intentionally across the spectrum of American society, the West glorifying itself as the image of sacrosanct uh, perfection, having come to the mount of holiness and righteousness as the American left, butchered their own children for their own benefit and ripped their arms apart, had their heads crushed, had their brains sucked out by tubes 
as if it had been a giant straw. And they want to complain about Columbus? You've got to be kidding me. This is worse than the kettle calling the pot black. This is the utmost hypocrisy that the world has ever seen. I'm sorry, but it's time to tell the truth. Was Christopher Columbus a fully 100% righteous guy? No. Are you? The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So why is Columbus celebrated? Well, there are many reasons. Not because he was perfect. Was George Washington perfect? No. However, in his leadership, his leadership was incredible. Unlike any in the history of the world. So much that King George virtually deified George Washington when he refused to become king. He said, no man has ever refused such a title. And seen by his countrymen first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen, and the very same people that want to behead Christopher Columbus want to destroy the statues of George Washington. and want to destroy Thomas Jefferson, and want to destroy George Madison, and are turning their memorials into places of rebuke because they happen to have slaves at a time when slavery was the common practice. So which is worse? What these sacrimonious sanctimonious, rather, sanctimonious lefties today. Professors in our hyper-liberal universities, including Columbia University, named after Christopher Columbus. And because America was seen to be Columbia the gem of the oceans... Yet these hyper-leftists and their professors from Columbia University and other universities around the country constantly harp and harangue about the improprieties of Columbus, forgetting the incredible courage that the man exemplified and that without him, it's likely they wouldn't even be existent on this planet or in America to protest. Yet it's a national holiday. Christopher Columbus was a Genovese-born explorer who became a subject of the Hispanic monarchy to lead a Spanish enterprise to cross the Atlantic Ocean in search of an alternative route to the Far East, only to land in the New World. His first voyage to the New World on the Spanish ships Santa Maria, Nina, and La Pinta took about three months. Columbus and his crew arrived in the New World, initiated the colonization of the Americas by Spain, followed by the ensuing centuries by other European powers. 
Those are all known things. So, England should no longer be England because it was a colonizing country. Spain should no longer be Spain because it was a colonizing country. Behead them all! France should no longer be France because it was a colonizing country. Portuguese should, Portugal should no longer be Portugal because it was a colonizing country. Are you beginning to get the picture? Friends, please listen carefully. This is the spirit to tear down the existing nations of the earth to bring them all together in a new world order, a one world government. None of them will have any heritage. Destroy the heritage and the memorial of all of them. They're not worthy. No, the only thing that's worthy, we're going to build a new country, a new world, a new world order, a great reset, and everything is going to be perfect, everything's going to be wonderful, everything's going to be cool. The whole world will be united in massive righteousness, honoring one another. There will be not another murder, there will not be another untruth spoken, because all will be well That's the vision. Talk about unbelievable uh, sacrimoniousness. It's just beyond the pale, friends. It's just beyond the pale. That we cannot honor people for what they did, not for what they didn't do. For what they did that was good and honorable and righteous. I mean... Maybe we should be tearing down Martin Luther King Jr. for his, well, philandering and other things. I mean, where does it stop? Come on, where does it stop? What's happening, we need to understand why these things are happening. And they're happening, friends, to tear down the memory, every reasonable and righteous memory, the history and the heritage that makes for a strong and united nation to tear it all down so that we can be melded in without resistance to a global order that has no heritage. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Indigenous People Day. Of course they're indigenous peoples. How did they get there? How did they become indigenous people? What gives them the honor What did they do to get there that you don't know about? How many tribes did they have to kill to get there? How many people, how many black people did the tribes of Africa kill or imprison, enslave, in order to make their mark and take over other tribes 
and then to participate for their financial gain in the world slave market. Are you beginning to get the picture? And yet all of that memory just can't seem to be remembered how the slave market actually began in Africa by Africans. The denigration of Columbus is not about Columbus. It's about something much bigger. It's about tearing down every memory, every mark of heritage. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus, and all of the discussions and arguments related thereto, attempting to convert a day that memorialized the discovery of Americas, not America, the Americas, and that's why the other American nations celebrate Columbus because it is something that unifies all of us, that memory. They know he wasn't perfect. Neither are you. Neither are you. Let's take a look a little bit further, a little deeper, concerning this matter of Christopher Columbus. First of all, he personified the American spirit. Encyclopedia Britannica called him a master navigator and admiral. He sailed to numerous places beginning his career as a merchant marine. He sailed to Iceland and Ireland in 1477, to Madeira in 1478. Between 1482 and 1485, he traded along the Guinea and Gold Coast of tropical West Africa and made at least one voyage to Amida, Ghana. After all this, he made four transatlantic voyages to the New World, beginning with his first famed voyage in 1492. He was an adventurer, and America has a spirit of adventure. One of the reasons the spirit of Christopher Columbus resonated with Americans. 
It's hard for our young people today who do not have a spirit of adventure, who are having a hard time leaving their parents' homes by 30 years of age, having a hard time marrying to relate to Christopher Columbus and his spirit of adventure. Columbus undertook adventure for God and country, believe it or not. Whether you like it or not. After Columbus returned to Spain from his first voyage in the Americas in 1493, he wrote in his letter to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, quote, They manifest the greatest affection towards all of us, exchanging valuable things for trifles, content with the very least thing or nothing at all. I gave them, he's talking about the people that he met there uh, in the Americas, I gave them many beautiful and pleasing things which I had bought, brought with me for no return whatsoever in order to win their affection and that they might become Christians and inclined to love our king and queen and princes and all the people of Spain. Interesting. Columbus usually treated the Native Americans kindly and brought them gifts in order to win their favor. The king himself wrote to the Tana Arawak Indians, we in his name will receive you with love and charity, respecting your freedom and that of your wives and sons and your rights of possession, and we shall not compel you to baptism unless you, informed of the truth, wish to convert to our holy faith. Columbus's drive for exploration was very spiritually or religiously oriented. In fact, one could easily say that was the primary motivation. If Columbus is off limits to celebrate, so are indigenous peoples. In his book, The War on History, Jarrett Stepman writes, What is never explained is why so-called indigenous peoples are worthy of celebration if Columbus is not. Pre-Columbian civilizations from Mexico to Peru were nearly all responsible for brutal violence on a large scale long before Columbus arrived on the shores of the New World, including human sacrifices, even children, sometimes by tearing out the victim's still-beating heart. Even the Iroquoian peoples, located in present northeast United States, often took slaves of other tribes. Yet despite all the gruesome sacrifice and slavery, some still wish to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, not if we can't celebrate Columbus Day, friends. Historical figures should be viewed in light of their greatest achievements, not their worst mistakes. But Philadelphia, the box surrounding Philadelphia's controversial statue of Christopher Columbus has been painted red, white, and green after the Italian flag ahead of Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known in Philadelphia as Columbus Day. The Italians said it made us feel a little bit better to honor our heritage. And so, 
I want to share with you a song. I'm going to sing the song. I could sing the song, but I'm not going to sing the song. It is a song that I learned as a child. It was a song that I learned as a child in school because we learned about Columbus, not just that in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but we also learned things about the Pinta, the Nina, the Santa Maria. We also learned things about Columbus and his life and why he was worthy to be celebrated. But in addition to that, we also learned the music of our country. Now, that's a novel idea, isn't it? The music of our country. The same people that want to tear down the statues of Columbus and turn Columbus Day into Indigenous Peoples Day want to tear the heart out of America's music as well, including the national anthem. They hate it. How dare you sing this star-spangled banner? Besides which, it even mentions God. We can't have that in the United States of America. But how about this song? Columbia, the gem of the oceans. An American patriotic song was popular in the United States during the 19th and early 20th centuries. It was composed in 1843 long used as an unofficial national anthem of the United States. Columbia, named after Christopher Columbus. The song was mentioned in McKinley's Cantor's Pulitzer Prize winning novel Andersonville in 1955. It was also featured in the 1957 musical The Music Man. In 1969, Columbia, the Gem of the Ocean, was the music performed by the U.S. Naval Band embarked aboard USS Hornet as one of the ship's ship's helicopters recovered the Apollo 11 astronauts from their capsule named Columbia after a splashdown in the Pacific Ocean. And so I learned the song as a child in school and have never forgotten it. O Columbia, the gem of the ocean, the home of the brave and the free, the shrine of each patriot's devotion, a world offers homage to thee. And on it goes, thy mandates make heroes assemble, when liberty's form stands in view. Thy banners make tyranny tremble, when born by the red, white, and blue. When born by the red, white, and blue, Thy banners make tyranny tremble when born by the red, white, and blue. Columbia, the gem of the oceans. Interesting, isn't it? But America's left and our young people today raised up by professors who are the godchildren or Satan's children of those who rebelled in the 1960s in the sexual revolution and at the rebellion against all authority wanted to take down America then, are now teaching our young people to despise their heritage. And so our young people, 70-some percent of them, want to change Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day.
they have been propagandized to the max. They are being trained to resist and despise their own heritage so that they will have no heritage to bind themselves together as a country to resist the coming new world order. I hope you're listening. This is Viewpoint. And I'm not hesitating today to to say it like it is, to tell it like it is, because that's the way it is. Did you know that Christopher Columbus actually, in one of his journals, quoted the book of Isaiah in two different places because it was such an inspiration to him, he saw himself as fulfilling part of God's call to distribute the gospel to peoples in faraway lands. The fulfillment, shall we say, an evangelistic effort That's what he saw. That's what motivated him deep in his heart. Was he a perfect missionary? No. Do you know anybody that ever was? I doubt it. I want to share with you excerpts from one of... uh, Christopher Columbus's writings. And uh, after the longest voyage ever made out of the sight of land, discovered the new world on October 12th, 1492. In his book, it's called A Book of Prophecies, Libro de la Profecias, he wrote some amazing words. I want to wrap this up today with those amazing words that he wrote in his book of prophecies. I hope you'll stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. Viewpoint does the trick. Yes. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We wrap up today by taking a look, listening to the words of Columbus himself from his book of prophecies. Before we get to that, I want to go back, take you back to Columbia University, originally named uh, 
after King George II, it became one of the most influential universities in America, and its name was changed to Columbia University. I wonder why that is. Nobody really wants to talk about it. Not really. It is one of the most liberal, godless universities in the country. But its seal consists of a seated woman with the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, written above her head. The Latin motto inscribed across the top is Psalm 3610, which says, In thy light we see light. In alluding to Psalm 27.1, the Hebrew phrase, Yuri El, that is, God is my light, is written on a ribbon, and under the women's feet, the scripture is inscribed, 1 Peter 2, 1-2. An admonishment to desire the pure milk of God's word. Did you know that Christopher Columbus's name means light bearer? Why do you think the motto in of Chris, uh, Columbia University inscribed there on the building, in thy light we see light, and that God is my light? Not Christopher Columbus, God. But how did Christopher Columbus see it? Well, he said, at a very early age, I began to sail upon the ocean. For more than 40 years, I have sailed everywhere that people go. I prayed to the most merciful Lord about my heart's great desire, and he gave me the spirit and the intelligence for the task. Seafaring, astronomy, geometry, arithmetic, skill in drafting spherical maps and placing correctly the cities, rivers, mountains, and ports. I also studied cosmology, history, chronology, and philosophy. By the way, can you compete with all that? No, really, can you compete with all that? God prepared him. That's what he's testifying to. God prepared me to do what he wanted me to do. He said it was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel his hand upon me, the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. There is no question, he said, that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures, a strong and clear testimony from the 44 books of the Old Testament, from the four Gospels and from the 23 epistles of the blessed apostles, encouraging me continually to press forward, and without ceasing for a moment, they now encourage me to make haste. Friends, have you ever written anything like this? Why would a man write this in his own journals, his book of prophecies? Why would he do that if it wasn't something that gripped his own heart? He went on to say, Our Lord Jesus desired to perform a very obvious miracle in the voyage to the Indies to comfort me and the whole people of God. I spent seven years in the royal court discussing the matter with many persons of great reputation and wisdom in all the arts, and in the end they concluded that it was all foolishness, so they gave it up. Have you ever pressed, my friend, against such odds when everybody mocked and rejected you 
even though you believe that God had called you for a particular purpose. Columbus did. He went on to say, but since these things generally came to pass that were predicted by our Savior Jesus Christ, we should also believe that this particular prophecy will come to pass. In support of this, I offer the gospel text, Matthew twenty four twenty five, in which Jesus said that all things would pass away, but not his marvelous word. He affirmed that it was necessary that all things be fulfilled that were prophesied by himself and by the prophets. I said that I would state my reasons. I hold alone to the sacred and holy scriptures and to the interpretations of prophecy given by certain devout persons. Columbus went on to say it is possible that those who see this book will accuse me of being unlearned in literature, of being a layman and a sailor. I reply with the words of Matthew 11:25, Lord, because you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. The Holy Scriptures, writes Columbus, testify in the Old Testament by our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that the world must come to an end. The signs of when this must happen are given by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The prophets also predicted many things about it. Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, said that before the end of the world, all things must come to pass that had been written by the prophets. The prophets wrote in various ways. Isaiah is the one most praised by Jerome, Augustine, and by other theologians. They all say that Isaiah was not only a prophet, but an evangelist as well. Isaiah goes into great detail in describing future events and in calling all people to our holy faith. Most of the prophecies of Holy Scripture have been fulfilled already. Again, Columbus goes on to say, I am a most unworthy sinner, but I have cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I have found the sweetest consolation since I made it my whole purpose to enjoy his marvelous presence. For the execution of the journey to the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. All this is what I desire to write down for you in this book. No one should fear to undertake any task in the name of our Savior, if it is just and if the intention is purely for his holy service. The working out of all these things has been assigned to each person by our Lord, that it all happens according to his sovereign will, even though he gives advice. He lacks nothing that is in the power of men to give him. Oh, what a gracious Lord who desires that people should perform for him those things which he hold, himself holds responsible. Day and night, moment by moment, everyone should express to him their most devote gratitude. And so I said that some of the prophecies remained yet to be fulfilled. These are great and wonderful things for the earth, and the signs are that the Lord is hastening the end. The fact that the gospel must still be preached to so many lands in such a short time, that is what convinces me. Did you know any of that? I doubt it. Did your pastor tell you any of those things? I doubt it. Did your history teacher tell you any of those things? I doubt it. Why? Now perhaps you can see even more reasons why the godless left who despise the Lordship of Jesus Christ and even the Creator God would not want the, rem the remembrance or memory of Christopher Columbus to grace the planet. 
Away with this man. He talks of God. He talks of spreading the gospel. He talks of listening to the Holy Spirit. Away with such a man. That's what they say. What do you say? Christopher Columbus wrote of the coming of Christ. He believed that what he did in his journey that ended up in the Americas, what he did was an adventure, not just an adventure, it was actually an exploration by faith to fulfill God's calling to spread the gospel. As it is written in Matthew 24, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world, and then shall the end come. That's what motivated Christopher Columbus. Were there other things alongside? Possibly. Maybe gold. You have to have something to finance your journey. Don't you? Yes. Christopher Columbus. Imperfect, impure as he may have been by certain standards today, perhaps was more righteous, more pure in motivation and heart than the majority of people who criticize him today and even, maybe even most Christians. Mm -hmm. Now he spoke of a time to come. He spoke of the coming of a Messiah. That's what he was writing about in his, in his diary there, in that book, the book of prophecies. And you might just want to consider getting a copy of my latest book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. As people are reading that book, they're reporting back to me how eye-opening it is. One man, as he got toward the end of the book, said, I just broke down and wept. Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. $22. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 7. 0879 Richmond, Virginia 23255 Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling Messiah Do you realize That he's coming? Do you really realize that? Christopher Columbus devoted Seven years of his life Against every odd Against ridicule and everything To get to fulfill what he believed Was God's call with his unique skills that God had given to him to sail across uncharted territory to do the will of God and to get out the message of the gospel. How far have you yet been willing to go? What have you been willing to do? Have you even heard the voice of the Lord? Are you working by perspiration or by inspiration? 
These are amazing times, my friend. There's much that we can learn from Christopher Columbus. No wonder so many want to eradicate him from the face of the earth. That there will be no more memory of such a man. Yet, from the various early, from the earliest days of our country, Christopher Columbus and his memory and his vision actually graced our entire country. So much that it was called Columbia, the gem of the oceans. It was the land of the free, the home of the brave, just like Christopher Columbus, who was willing to step out. Americans used to do that. And now, our young people were told by sociologists, well, they're too bound up to leave even mother and father too bound up in themselves, too afraid to get married. It's a prison. Maybe we need a little bit more of the spirit of Columbus. What do you think? Maybe we do. I hope this has been helpful to you here today. Maybe you just totally disagree with what we said. That's all right. But think about it. I haven't shared with you all the horrific things that the left tries to pour out. Because when you start down that track, everybody becomes guilty before God, and nothing is worthy, including you. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Become a partner, send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia. Come on, let's do this together. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.